Good morning, church. Thank you for being here today. We're just going to give you some uh, announcements. Uh, they're going to come up on the screen. Uh, there are any kids that are in here this morning. Uh, our primary school age, if you head to the back, there are some of the team there who are going to take you for kids space. Um, pick up on a glance. Uh, a glance tells you everything that's going on in our church uh, throughout the month. Uh, it's not always possible to share everything from the front of church about what's going on, but the utter glance tells you uh, everything that's going on. After the service this morning, uh, there is a prayer team that is available. Maybe you've come to church with a burden or with a need and you would like someone to pray with you and for you. And then the prayer team will be there in the foyer uh, after the service. We're in the blue lanyards just to let you know. Uh, so you can uh, get some prayer this, more, this morning. Uh, but before the service this evening, uh, it says we're going to gather in my office there uh, where we're going to pray. Uh, and you, could, you don't have to drop in for the full 45 minutes. You can just drop in for five minutes, 10 minutes, just as we come and pray, not just for the service this evening, but the many needs that there are in church. Uh, so that's happening uh, there. And then... Uh, after, after church tonight, there is the youth after hours. Uh, we, we love our young people in this church. We want to encourage them to come to church. It's so good to see uh, so many of them here this morning. As they come to church tonight, uh, what we want to do is we're, we're encouraging them to come by giving them food afterwards. And, and food is always a way in because it works for us adults. We love a supper. Uh, so the young people are going to be coming uh, tonight. And there is youth after hours. Um, which I assume is food after church and stuff, so which is going to be great. I don't know what food they're going to think of, pizza? They're getting pizza tonight, so that's great. Um, after church tonight as well, there is the meeting for those who are interested in going to the, the Philippines next July. Um, so there's the approximate cost. All the details will be given out uh, this evening. That's going to happen in my office after church this evening. For those people, most people will know, but just in case you don't, uh, the, the total gift for Helping Hands that we were able to give to them uh, was £6,000, uh, which we think is fantastic, amazing. So thank you to everybody you gave, whether through the coffee morning and other donations and last Sunday. Uh, so we so appreciate that. And I know Claire really appreciates it as well and has sent her thanks through as we messaged her. On Tuesday evening, uh, we're having a night of worship here, encounter worship, half past seven. Everybody is invited. Uh, we're just coming to seek God and just bring our, our prayer requests before him, just our needs before him, just spend some time in his presence. So please come along on Tuesday night, half past seven. Everybody is invited. And finally, a week on Saturday now is the Maids of Honour Conference. Uh, so get your tickets. There is only 10 or 11 days left to get your tickets. They're going to be available there from the info desk. Uh, after the service uh, this morning. So you haven't got a ticket yet, please get a ticket. £12, that covers everything, your food and all the speakers that are coming, the workshops and everything else. And then finally, I think this is the final, no, we're not finally yet, which is the Academy, which starts on Thursday the 12th of October. Uh, and then there's the information there. The sign-up sheet is at the back of church here. Uh, please see Jackie or Valerie for any more information uh, for that. And then finally, new here, for anybody who has recently come to our church, uh, we would like to invite you for a meal. 
and so you can get to know uh, us a little bit better but also get to know what the church does and stuff so there were wee cards on the info desk please take uh, those cards for that that is the end of those announcements just before we come to the word I would just like to read this out uh, on behalf of the oversight of the church uh, we would like to announce that the, for the foreseeable future Tim Bailey will be stepping back from ministry here at Living Hope as he is going to be undertaking ministerial duties at Zion Christian Life Church. We want to thank Tim for his service here at Living Hope and pray for him and his family as he steps into this new season of ministry at Zion. Tim and his family will still be in regular attendance here at Living Hope when there are no services on at Zion. Let's just take a moment to pray just as we come around the word. Father, we thank you. We gathered in your house today with your people. We come around your word as we worship, Lord, and we've remembered uh, what you've done for us, Father God. Even the words of those songs and the thoughts of Stephen, just to remind us uh, of everything that you have done for us, Father. We're so thankful for that today. As we come to your word, we pray, Lord, for we know it's a living word. You have something to say to each and every one of us, and we thank you for that. So, Father, just in this time now, Father, would you bless your word to us in Jesus' name. One of the things that we have done here in church for many, many years is the baby dedications. And obviously we've had to change those because we've gone to double services and stuff. So the second service today is uh, double dedication. So two families uh, from the local community coming uh, and getting their, their children dedicated here. We always see it as an amazing opportunity because so many visitors and guests come into church. But obviously on those Sundays I can't really carry on uh, with, with Matthew. But all good preachers, or even bad preachers as well, says they will always have a, a few sermons up their sleeve that they would like to share something that they would like to bring uh, to the people that's relevant and I'd got something as I was reading uh, some passages in Philippians uh, recently and I thought this would be good to share and I've just entitled it if you're happy and you know it now please don't start clapping your hands okay but just that's the title of a sermon if you're happy and you know it nobody sets out in life to be unhappy do they Everybody really wants to grow up wanting to be happy. I read this, that the United Nations published a world happiness report to measure how happy people are in different countries around the world. The 20th of March is to be observed as an international day of happiness. So I mark that in the calendar. What you need to do is, is mark that in your calendar. That's the International Day of Happiness. Finland is the happiest country in the world for the sixth year in a row. I've been to Finland. I didn't stand out too much as, uh, but maybe, I don't know, there's no, no, nobody near from Finland, is there? No, that's good. Thank you, Lord. There we go. So, happiness seems to be important because we live in a world of discontentment, don't we? The truth is, most people are never happy with what they have or where they are, uh, they always want more, none more so than today. It's been noted that we actually get hit with about 3,000 advertisements a day, power of social media and, and what we watch on TV and, and people use that power to, to sort of make you think that, listen, if you buy this particular shampoo, it will not only revitalise your hair, it'll revitalise your life. Um, 
but maybe you'll find that there's food that you can eat that will do everything that you want it to do, that eating that particular food will complete you as a person. I mean, if you want to be debt-free, or you can take one credit card, or you can take ten, and advertising just hits us because they understand the power of people who are discontented, who are unhappy. Mr. Ronald McDonald, who's not a great theologian, but he sums up society today by offering us a happy meal. So I did an experiment. I ate four of them, but I didn't find myself being any more happier. I didn't eat four of them, by the way, just to use an example. It says, I ate four of them, but it didn't make me any happier, to be fair. And then I realized the only person who was happy about me eating the Happy Meal was Mr. Ronald McDonald himself, because he sells 20 billion of them uh, every year. And that's the reality sometimes uh, of people who, who want to be happy. And there is a discontentment with people. And this rhyme, I, I, I know I've said this before because it's just very short, it says, as a rule, man's a fool. When it's hot, he wants it cool. And when it's cool, he wants it hot. Always wanting what is not. So we've got to look and say, maybe our problem is we look for happiness instead of contentment because there were some big differences. The lack of contentment is reflected in many ways in our life. We, we live in this world of huge debt, don't we? People in debt. We aren't content to live within our means. We're offered to go into debt to buy the, the next piece of electrical equipment that we need, the next piece of furniture that we think will make us happy. We, we, we live in that sort of world, don't we? That it's just a little bit better than we can afford. Uh, and then we suffer anxiety because we can't pay the bills or that eventually we have to pay for it. No matter when they say buy now, pay later, you do pay later and eventually you've got to pay for it. Uh, our discontent is reflected in our high sense of movement, isn't it? People don't stay at the same address. People start out in one place and think to themselves, I'll be happy if I just live here. I'll be happy if I just live in a bigger house. I'll be happy if I can just live in this area, always on the move. And at times you have to do that uh, because maybe it's work, maybe it's school, maybe it's other things after that. But a lot of the time it's just people are discontent thinking the next thing will make them happy, will give them the reason and the purpose for our life. How many times do we see people clamoring for their rights? Believing that they will be contented, they just get treated right. If you have been mistreated in some way, no matter how small it is, people think, well, I, I'm, I'm unhappy. There's a discontent and we'll think we'll be happy. Uh, people spend money they can't afford on, on the lottery thinking, if I just win the big jackpot, that will be it, I'll be happy. It says that will solve all my problems, I'll have plenty of money and I'll be happy. But we've discovered that people who have lots of money or people who do win the lottery, that doesn't make them any happier or give them any more content. Somebody summed it up with this phrase. They says we live in this world of an inextinguishable discontent. Our quest is better and what is next? We want a better job with better pay and a better boss. We want better relationships. We want a better car. We want a better house. And we live endlessly for the next thing. Just the next holiday, the next break, the next time something happens. We never seem to be satisfied. We never seem to be content. 
So we have to ask ourselves, well, what is the answer? Maybe the pursuit of happiness is not necessarily the answer. Maybe we've got to look to some verses in the scriptures, uh, as I did a few weeks ago when I read these verses, uh, once again, in Philippians 4, 10 to 13. And this is the Apostle Paul writing this to the church in Philippi. Uh, and this letter to the Philipp Philippians, it's going to be careful, the Philippines, the Philippians, he says, this is a letter of great encouragement. He's writing to encourage them. It's, it's basically called the most encouraging letter in the New Testament. Yet he writes it from inside the prison cell. And he writes these words. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So as I said, Paul writes, he says he's in prison. Now, his situation is not like being in prison uh, today. He's chained to a Roman soldier for 24 hours a day. He's not knowing if tomorrow is going to be the day that he lives or dies. Yet he writes these powerful words and says, oh, yeah, I have learned to be content, uh, whatever the circumstances. So we need to take a look at what the word content means. Well, the original biblical meaning of the word content uh, is, is the Hebrew means simply to be pleased. The Greek contentment is an inward satisfaction. So we can sum it up really by saying this, that it is an inner sense of rest or peace that comes from being right with God and knowing that he is in control of all that happens to us. That sums up Paul, doesn't it, in a prison cell, when all he wants to do is be outside of the prison cell, preaching to the people and planting churches. But yet he understands actually that God is the one that is in control. And so for us, we could probably sum it up this way by saying, it is being satisfied with who we are, what we have, and where we are going, especially when we can change none of them. Because discontentment often shows itself in the picture that we're unhappy where we are, we're unhappy with who we are, uh, we're unhappy with where we're going. Yet actually we can hold on to this, that, that actually we can be satisfied knowing that God is in control. John Stark wrote this, and I think this is a great quote. He says, contentment is the secret of inward peace. It remembers the stark truth that we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. Life, in fact, is a pilgrimage from one moment of nakedness to another. So we should travel light and live simply. Our enemy is not possessions, but excess. Our battle cry is not nothing, but enough. We've got enough. Simplicity says if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. So we look at that, and that helps us by way of introduction just to say this, but there, there is some stuff that the Apostle Paul teaches us here as he's writing this from the prison cell. The first thing he teaches us is this. Contentment is something that is learned. He learned to be content in all conditions. It didn't come naturally to him, and it wasn't an instantaneous transformation. It was something that he learned. He had learned to be content whether he had a lot, and he'd been content whether he didn't have a lot, whether he was full or whether he was hungry. He had learned to be content, and he said it's a secret 
that in any and every situation, whether living in plenty or living in want, he was content. We have to understand us as people, we're not born content or satisfied, are we? I mean, a baby naturally cries out for what they want at that moment. They have no concept of time. None of us who are parents, when our babies woke up in the middle of the night, went over to them and tried to reason with them. You know, when they woke up and they started to cry, we didn't begin a conversation that says, listen, you know what time it is, don't you? It's three o'clock in the morning and you are screaming, you are waking everybody up because you are looking. That would never happen. What usually happens is this is the baby wakes up and usually you turn to wife or husband and say these words, it's your turn, it's your turn. That's what usually happens and stuff. And so therefore one of you gets up and you feel there's no reasoning with the, with, with the child. You just want to get them fed and get them back to sleep so you can get back to sleep. So in a sense that we grow up that way naturally. We grow up that there's no concept of time and that discontentment of, of having our needs met instantly almost comes to us from birth. And so that's why Paul says that it's something that he's learnt, it's a process. Something that he has learnt from walking with God every day. Understanding that everything major and minor is part of God's plan for his life. You see, our tendency really is to look for things that will make us content. Those things that are better, those events that are next, rather than putting forth the effort it takes to learn how to be content. But contentment isn't these things, and this helps us as well. The first one, contentment isn't denying one's feelings about wanting and desiring. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't work hard. It shouldn't mean that we shouldn't study hard. It shouldn't mean that we shouldn't desire the, the good things. But it's when they become the focus of everything about us, when we believe that achieving those will be the contentment that we need in life, and they are not. It says, and what we're doing is we're saying we're content regardless of that because we're content in Christ the contentment isn't secondly pretending things are right when they are not but it does display a peace that comes from knowing that God is bigger than any problem and he does work them out for our good as it says in Romans 8 28 contentment isn't a feeling of well-being based on circumstances under control often the difficulty is if things are going well in our life we are content and that contentment makes us happy actually when Paul writes this he says this is regardless of circumstances the secret to being content is regardless of the circumstances that are happening the stuff that is happening he is content and that brings us on to the next point that it's not based on external circumstances but rather an internal source as we shall see in a second contentment is one of these things that it's a matter of accepting from God's hand what he sends because we know that he is a good God and he wants to give good gifts to his children he doesn't always want to give us everything that we want but he does always give us everything that we need uh, and it's important for us to understand that the secret cont to contentment then is not getting everything you want but it's adjusting your priorities to what can I live without rather than what do I need to get to make me happy if people live their whole life thinking if I just get all this stuff that will make me happy eventually they will get all that stuff but it still won't make them happy 
They still leave a gap in their lives saying, I'm still not content. So what was Paul's secret? Well, Paul's secret is simply this, that contentment for him comes from who we are and what we have in Christ. And he uses a famous verse that, that he has written and simply says, I could do all this through him who gives me strength. He's talking about Christ Jesus who gives him the strength to be content in all circumstances, to strengthen him no matter what he faces. You see, the original phrase that, that gives me strength simply means he who empowers me, he who infuses me with strength, he who gives me the strength to face whatever circumstance that I am going through at the moment. You see, the verse is written in the present tense, which simply means that it's continual. It's everything that we face day by day. All the circumstances that you're facing today, as Pastor Reese said, as he led the worship, he says some people are facing the most difficult of circumstances at the moment. Uh, and yet to know this, that he is the one that gives us strength, the one that empowers us, the one that infuses us to help us face the battles that we are facing. That, that's simply what it means to be content. You see, we simply learn it through this dependence and trust on Christ. Paul's sufficiency, and that, that word is so important, sufficiency, that Christ is just enough for him. It's just enough for, for him in everything that we're facing. Whether, whether he discovers it through his peace or his purpose, he enjoys it regardless of life circumstances. See, often we think that it's unfair. Sometimes when you look at other people and think to yourself, well, they seem to have everything that I want. It's, it's not, you know, coincidence that one of the Ten Commandments is do not covet. We simply do not look at what somebody else has and, and desire that. And the truth of it is that, the, that, that, that God understands our hearts more than we understand ours. And, and that often is where the problem is sometimes with contentment. We may look at somebody else and say to themselves, oh, look at them, they, they, they live in a bigger house. Or they go on holiday here. Or, or they've got a bigger TV. Or they've got this and, and you use it and you look at it and say, life's unfair because you may say, well, maybe they don't work for it. Maybe they haven't paid for it. But it doesn't, or whatever reasons. And we become discontented because we compare our lives to other people. And yet actually as believers, our contentment is found in Christ. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't have nice stuff. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't have stuff. But that stuff shouldn't own us because it will rob us of our contentment if, if our contentment is not in Christ Jesus. We have this idea sometimes that life is fair uh, and it's simply sometimes just not. From the day and hour we leave hospital, there were no guarantees that only good things will happen to us because life is a mixture of joy and sorrow, blessings and burdens, tragedies and triumph. And that's why Paul writes these words when he takes it to a higher level, when he says, he says it's not about everything that's going on around us, it's about him. And I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I am content in him, not because I'm full, not because I'm hungry, not because I'm warm, not because I'm cold, not because everything is going for me at the moment, but simply because of this, because of Christ Jesus. He says it's a higher calling. And, and this is so true, that contentment comes from being certain of God when life is uncertain. Because all of us will be at a point at times when life is uncertain. 
But God is never uncertain. And that's where our contentment comes in. See, God is not stingy. How do you measure the glorious riches of Christ Jesus? It encompasses all of his kingdom and all of his creation. You see, if we limited this verse to money, we would simply devalue the riches available to us this morning in Christ. For the New Testament says we have available this morning the riches of these following things. The first one is this, his kindness. The riches of his kindness. So God would do for you and for me what we didn't deserve by sending his son, Jesus Christ. That, that gives us a contentment this morning, knowing that we are saved, knowing that, that he loves us so much he sent his son for us. The, the contentment we look at is not about the money that we have in the bank. It's not about the material possessions that we have, but simply what we have in Christ Jesus. We see the riches of his glory in Romans 9.23. We see the riches of his inclusion in Romans 11 verse 12 that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for each and every person for every single one of us we see not just that in his inclusion but as we've seen that in his kindness already we see the riches of his wisdom and his knowledge we see the riches of his grace that for none of us would be able to sit in here this morning unless we had been touched by his grace that, that none of us have deserved it we haven't earned it, but we've received it from him today. And it says that that's what God has done for us. And, and these things as we read them, they build up our contentment. Because our focus, as we've heard this morning, should be on Christ Jesus. And that's the only way to deal with discontentment. When we don't understand what's going on in life, when we're unhappy about things that are going on in life, when we look at things and think it's unfair... All of that leads to a discontentment. But the contentment that God wants us to have simply is a contentment that looks to his son, Jesus Christ, and says, listen, you may not have any of this here, but look at the stuff that you have here. His riches, and the riches of his kindness, the riches of his grace, the riches of his wisdom and his knowledge, the riches of his glorious inheritance, the riches of Christ and then finally in Colossians, the mystery of Christ within us, all available to us today. How rich are we today spiritually? I mean, if we went around the church today and said, how rich are we materially? Everybody would say something different. But if we said to us today, how rich are we spiritually? Oh, well, we have all of this and nobody has more of it than anybody else. We are rich spiritually beyond measure today. We're content in Christ today because of everything he has done for us and everything he has given to us. And when Paul writes these words from a prison cell in, 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 to the church in the, the, to the church at Philippi, he's trying to get them to understand and trying to help them. Everything you need is in Christ Jesus. Everything you need is in Christ Jesus. And in your circumstance, in your situation today, uh, I just simply repeat that. As you look at what's happening, what's going on, your struggle, your burden, your trouble, your tragedy, your trial, your temptation, everything that you need today is in Christ Jesus. He doesn't just have enough for you. He is enough for you today. 
Uh, and that's the, the, that's the truth of contentment. It's a truth of knowing who we are in Christ and what Christ has given to us that makes us rich today. Let, let's pray. Father, we thank you today. Father, we, we, we read your word and see, Father God, that you deal with the matters of the heart. Uh, and one of the matters of the heart here is the discontentment at times that people feel. But you give the answer, the solution. You, you give the remedy. You, you, whatever it is that we are looking for, it is found in your son, Christ Jesus. For we do not need to be content with what we have here and around us. But Father, we are content in everything that you have given us. We are content in everything that we have today in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we come and we say thank you for that. And Father, for those gathered here today who are carrying a burden and dealing with a trial, walking through some trouble, Father, we pray over them today that truth that your Son, Jesus Christ, is enough for them. He is not Jesus and something else sorts a problem out. It's not Jesus and this. It's your son, Jesus Christ, whole. He is the solution, the answer, the remedy. He satisfies the need. He takes away the discontent. And he gives us everything, everything that we need today. We are rich beyond comparison today for what you have given us in Jesus' name.